My feelings are my own. And how I display them or not, it's my choice. The ultimate ritual combat. No rounds, no rules, no gloves. The last hope for mankind. Walker Smith of Earth. One and all you, Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Badge incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. out there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are here today to talk about a stellar episode of babylon 5 and that is tko we are here with a group of newbies who are just watching the show for the first time and then we are also here with a bunch of uh, what we call the first ones who have been watching babylon 5 for quite some time and probably need to get more hobbies so we're going to have two sections here the first one is we're going to talk spoiler free about tko not talking about anything that comes after that and then after that we will jettison the newbies and talk any kind of spoilers for the episode my name is scott and with me as always is blake emily andrew Jesse, John, Justin, Evan, and I'm Jeff Aiken coming in from the Babylon five for the first time podcast. Excited yeah. to be here. Jeff got the wrong zoom link. So he's on our show this week as opposed yeah. to his. It's great. Hi, Jeff. So, Hi. uh, welcome couple different housekeeping things for you first before you talk about your podcast, which you're absolutely going to do. We have two questions for you. Who are you and what do you want? My name's Jeff Aiken. I'm a huge star trek fan watching babylon 5 for the first time so it's cool right and what do i want i want awesome tv man i want great tv like babylon 5 like star trek like all the great stuff that we had back when i had a teen after my age that's all i want is that too much no i think it's pretty reasonable i think it's reasonable so jeff we have been following you guys and literally following you guys because you started about a month before we did so you're just now finishing up season one tell me how's it been going in terms of watching babylon 5 for the first time after being a star trek guy for so long i'm not gonna lie it was a rough start right like we kind of dove in and i think the only honestly if we weren't doing the podcast we probably would have dropped out right around mm, probably infection ish that was about the the jumping off point for us but like at that point we had people tuning in and so we're like well i'll stick with it a little longer get let's get to like the halfway point and check it out but i tell you what about mm, signs and portents ish like we had this like realization where we're like oh my god we're babylon 5 fans <laughs> like it happened and we're not even part way into the series but it's been a lot of fun and i think that what we're able to do what makes us a little more unique is just that analytical lens that we look at you know we look both brent alan my my co-host and i have our own separate star trek podcast that are totally different and that's how we watch that show you know we tear it apart and look for meanings and messages and stuff and that's how we're approaching babylon 5 and i mean just like we're just at the end of the first season and there's so much 
so much in this show, but I will say that we did a couple episodes ago declare that this is not a Star Trek show. This is Babylon 5. It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's got cool messages and stuff, but it is, it's not Star Trek. And that's awesome. That's a good thing. And I think it makes both properties that much stronger. Completely agree with you there. I think, uh, and I've said this before, I really think that Believers, and although you guys actually, watching your Believers episode, you felt Believers was pretty Star Trek-y. But for me, Believers is when Babylon 5 says we aren't Star Trek. We're doing something a little different here. Yeah, I think it had a strong Star Trek message to it, but it's this—it's the method, right? You know, in Star Trek, they would have tied a neat bow on it, and there would have been hugs and stuff, and they would have warped away. That was not the case with Believers. Like, I, it's not often that I watch an episode of television and want to shower with bleach. But that's believers, right? It's just that's, that's TKO for me. So I mean, what? here we go. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited to be here for TKO. I mean, spoiler alert: this is one of my favorite episodes in the first season. I know that's a, that's why I was so excited. You said you would join us because I, I had already seen your show. Because again, you guys are on a little bit of a watch order difference. So you've already had your TKO episode a while back. Uh, so I'm looking forward to having you discuss it. I will say um, I have a little bit of a beef with you guys. And I think it needs to be cleared up. And it's something that's been festering for a while. Bring it. Uh, you, you, uh, you have claimed a name that I do believe is owed to us. And I think we have to have a little bit of a conversation about that. Let's do it. Actually, and actually, it's not you who has claimed it. It is Brent who has claimed it. I think actually, uh, I know the story kind of based on what I've heard from you guys. But you guys are the ones who got the email from our listener. So explain to me Chuckle Nugget, sir. So this was the most amazing thing ever that happened. I get this email. We, you know, you get emails and it's great and you get them. It's awesome. And we get this one that was just ripping us apart. John Bray did chuckle nugget. You know I mean? Just this guy just painted a real picture with words and was really, really, really angry about this. Now I've worked in customer service for a long time, so I could have taken that email and been like, dude, you know, go fly a kite, whatever. But instead I was like, Hey, I hear you <laughs> also like, you know, give us Brent. Brent did take some time to be able to pronounce, pronounce Ivanova's name correctly. And so I was like, just give us a chance, skip ahead a couple episodes. You'll be cool. And he's like, okay, let me look. And he says, no, you only have like three episodes. I don't know what you're talking about. And so we went on this whole route of like, what's wrong with Stitcher. And then he sent me a screenshot and I'm like, oh, um, wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, also like guilty, you know, like we were, we were throwing the, the I word down for a while on our side, but in, in this gentleman, actually we've ended up continuing to email. He's a cool guy and has said a lot of really cool things. We've got a great relationship with him, but he called Brent specifically John Prey chuckle nugget, <laughs> regardless of who earned it. He bestowed that on Brent. Like, that's, uh, that's okay. where it got laid down. It's in my inbox addressed to Brent. <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Prey is in this chat right now. <laughs> and uh, he, I think uh, we, we need to have a conversation about uh, the, uh, the title of Chuckle Nugget because I do believe that John, and John has just come off mute, so I'll let him speak for himself, but I do believe John is the true Chuckle Nugget. Yeah, I earned that. <laughs> and many an Ivanova. I earned that. Uh, I also enjoyed someone called me He Who Should Not Be Named, so I'm down with that. I've earned lots of lovely little fan nicknames and, and tokens of affection. Um, but Chuckle Nugget for sure definitely made me laugh. Uh, the story when I 
you know, Scott discovered it and forwarded us the clip of you guys talking about it. Uh, it made me giggle super hard because I thought, man, alive. It's something I always am intrigued when people like reach out to anything, right? They feel so strongly. They write a letter to the editor, if you will. And so just that part alone made me smile and made me think, oh, okay, we've, we've touched someone. Um, and the vitriol that you described and then the chuckle nugget moniker, I thought, wow, we really touched someone. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish you could uh, send over the email so I could read it in all its glory. Um, but yeah, I, my Ivanovas earned that chuckle nugget moniker. Now, if you guys want to get in the game, you know, you got a couple episodes. Season two can be your whole Ivanova thing. And let me tell you, the fans love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. They're you all know, for the- it. The, the the fun part about this is you say you're still having a conversation with this guy. We know the guy because he was on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. He's no longer conversating with us. Oh, <laughs> so <wow. Yeah. laughs> he hates so us. He saw himself just, out. In your clip, you said just enough that I messaged Scott and went, I know who this is. This is the yes. one that messaged me. And and what we found funny was the message we got was, how can I send a message because I don't want to say anything offensive to the cast? And the talent. I did that. The talent. The talent. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty. Because John's talent. <laughs> pretty awesome. My favorite part of the whole story, though, is to send the message. He went to our website. Like, he went to <laughs> Babylon5first.com that has our logo, our little story on it to send a message. And it was just like, there were a couple um, a couple toll booths on the way here, bro. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll just say, when you guys, you know, make it huge that at least one listener came from us. So you're welcome. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. When we get we huge s- talking about a 30 year old TV show, then yeah. <laughs> we, we can all dream. Away. Right. <laughs> Before we get started talking about TKO, a reminder that please make sure that whether you're listening to this on your podcast app of choice or YouTube, that you like, follow, subscribe. And then if you're also watching on YouTube, hit that notify bell icon. We've been doing a lot of live stuff. And actually, we're going to talk about our live TKO watch party this week. And if you do want to catch us when we do go live, make sure you hit that notify button. And please make sure that you also give us a review, uh, stars, re- a written review, whatever especially on Apple. Even if you're not using the Apple uh, iTunes to listen to us, give us an Apple review because that really does help the algorithm. It helps us grow and we really do appreciate it. It will probably read your review, whether it's good or bad, on the show if you do send it in. Shout out to all of our new followers on the Gray 17 Facebook page. Specifically, shout out to our new expert, Sean Boyle. Um, I want to say thank you for making sure that the new new followers aren't spoiling things for us. Glad you're here and enjoy your comments. Um, keep them up. We actually added 500 Facebook f- members on our page in the past like week. So there's a lot of new people. So absolutely shout out to all of you for joining us and really getting involved in the conversation. You can find the link to our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram down below. All of them have really vibrant communities and it's uh, it's going really well. I just want to give a shout out to Paul and our Facebook group for creating some amazing memes. Seriously, thanks for the chuckle nugget one. I was laughing in the middle of the grocery store like a weirdo. I like them all except for the one where I'm being flushed down a toilet. That's the one I question, but all the rest of them are really good. Also, too, uh, we, we really do appreciate your likes and subscriptions and reviews, but if you can go one step further, we do have our Patreon at patreon.com slash gray17podcast where you can get more involved behind the scenes. Any level or any tier of the Patreon will get you access to our Discord, 
We also have our newbies posting their show notes. We um, actually, all of our folks are posting their show notes. Then we also have behind the scenes outtakes for every episode. Along with that, we are having monthly Q and A's as well as your ability to actually send in uh, your comments to, into the show. So we can actually have your comments and questions aired on the show. And then if you really can help us out, we do have our great council, which is our producers. And we really want to thank all of our producers who are absolutely making this show grow. And you can see the list of sh- producers down in the show notes. Thank you so much to our great council members for your help as we move forward with this thing. Okay. So let's talk about a 30 year old TV show. Let's uh, do it. So we, we are here to talk about TKO. Now, for us, those listening on our watch order, which is HBO Max, this is almost the end of the season. But for some, TKO came earlier. But we're going to go ahead and have the newbies give their first impressions. But before I do that, I do want to read a couple impressions we got off Twitter from folks when I asked about this episode. So let's do. Uh, Felix, Felix says this episode sadly aged about as well as a beverage advertised in the background, except for the Ivanova plot, her coming to terms with her father's death. It is, in my opinion, the worst episode in the entire series, which still is making it much better TV than many out there. And then I will also add Ryan, who says sooner or later, every space show does a variation on Frederick Brown's arena in first run. I didn't care for this one, but now I really like Larry Dottilio's episodes. He really dug into what life was like on Babylon 5, the day-to-day mundane stuff. Also, Zima. So thank you, Ryan and Felix, for adding in your two cents. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the newbies, and let's go to Andrew first. First impressions of TKO. All right, you guys are all probably going to hate me. (laughs) I... I did want to go into this episode expecting to hate it. I found something to enjoy in both the A and the B plot. There you go. There you go. Uh, I re- it, I mean, I if I were to go back and rewatch this episode, it would just be for Ivanova's plot. But I, I don't know about anybody else, but I have been pining for a Rocky in space. So I finally got that. And those are my two cents. Since you mentioned Rocky, I'm going to go to John next because John had a hot take when we were doing our live reaction on YouTube about TKO and Rocky. So, John, your first impressions. Yeah, I mean, I was just bummed that I was just a Rocky one, Rocky four, just rip off. Um, You know, at the end, uh, for those who haven't seen Rocky four, I don't know if you know that Sly Stallone ended the Cold War single handedly by fighting Ivan Drago. It was incredible. Um, and he gave a fantastic speech at the end uh, and rallied all the people. And that was the big vibe I got at the end of the uh, Mutai, uh, similar vibes. And I say Rocky won again because, you know, Rocky doesn't win the first time. I, so here's here's my thing. So um, the B plot, the Mutai, uh, was funny in a campy kind of way. Like, oh, okay, this is goofy. This is silly. It's I'm super 90s. Um, but as I watched it, so we technically watched this live Friday. Yeah. I'm told. I don't know if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I will say, John, I'm, let me stop you there because somebody just tweeted this too because Brent is talking shade about you on Twitter as we go from Babylon uh, 5 for the first time. And then uh, Darren, who's DC Signal, who was there at our mm-hmm. live watch party, said the way John was throwing back the drinks in the live stream, I'm wondering if Upchuck Nugget may be a more appropriate title. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, dead on. Dead on. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> but as I watched this, I just thought, uh, you know, these two plot lines to me don't have anything in common. They don't mesh. 
And as much as I've been, you know, I don't want to say anti Ivanova, but obviously she has not been my favorite character. This was an episode that thus far this season, it was far and away her best episode. It's Claudia Christensen's best acting so far. And she had a lot there. If they would have just eliminated the rest of that other story, just delve in more and let her, you know, tell more stories about her dad, um, you know, when they were sitting in Shiva and, and like allow that to sink in more, I think it would have had more of an impact, right? It had a little bit, but that relationship with her father and its ups and downs and then his passing, there was a lot of chance there to really, really have it hit, especially at the very end um, when she cries and kind of realizes he is gone and has that, that moment. It would have been just so much better if we could have gotten more scenes of her talking about her relationship. And then also not went straight from that to, again, you know, janky Rocky. It was immediately just undercut by the very next scene. So uh, I think that's the biggest beef I have with this episode. The B plot just sucked all the air of what the A plot could have had. You know, ironically, uh, I, I don't mean to correct you, but actually t- uh, the fight was the A plot. That was the main plot of the show. So Ivanova was regulated to the B plot of the episode. Emily, first impressions. Well, I have to agree with John on this, and that's a little uncomfortable to say. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things I was thinking about, because we watched it live and the scenes felt jarring, I was wondering if it felt really disconnected because we don't have commercials when we're watching it. And like when this would have aired, there should have been commercials, right? So is some of the weird cutting not meshing together because we lack the commercials to create that divide? I will say, and um, it's been a while since I watched this on syndicated tv but i do clearly remember that when you're in the the shiva scenes and they're cutting between ivanova talking about her father and then you know uh, walker smith punching the crap out of georg that is one segment that is is boom 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 yeah yeah i was wondering about some of that if that caused some of the issue if we were watching it differently um but but i guess it says a lot about the episode how bad it is if the commercials make the episode better. <laughs> you know, I, I think this the jury's still out how bad TKO is because Jeff hasn't gotten his impressions yet, and I haven't done mine. But here we I'm go. I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying the setup here. This is good. <laughs> Jesse. Go ahead. Um. Well, I did not enjoy these two stories together in any way, shape, or form. These two stories had absolutely no business being in the same episode. We had. Mortal Kombat, and we had Shiva. Where's the connection? Where there was literally nothing to do with either plot. And, you know, okay, so sometimes it's like that, right? Like sometimes most of the time the A plot, B plot don't exactly match, but they're all entwined. Um, You're still seeing the characters in each of the plots. Not the case in this one. And I I hated it. I hated it on like it it ranks right down there with the gathering with me. And you all know how much I loved the gathering. Um, except <laughs> Jeff. I hated it. I hated it a lot. Um I did love Ivana in this one. Um, I, she actually made me cry, which I'm like a absolute cold bitch sometimes. And for that to happen with the show, I was like, oh, she is on point. Like she gets it. Um, so she did. She did a very good job. The, the scene where she started to cry about her father and like the moment where you realize that she realized he was actually gone just tore my heart out of my chest. Um, so I loved her plot. Um, and the 
the fight, the fight plot was not bad. I didn't hate it either. I just hated them together. Um, and it was really hard. I have like a one track mind sometimes, and it's really hard for me to watch both of those things going on because as soon as it would cut, I'd be like, Oh, here we go again. Um, so I not my favorite episode at all. Justin, you're up. I mean, I think I think I set the bar so low um, for myself, and it's this is nothing spoilery or anything. Even all of you elder gods or whatever you're calling yourselves, um, <laughs> you know, set this up for us like this is the crappiest episode of the entire season, if not the entire show. So I came in expecting a hot, steamy pile of nothing, and I didn't really hate it as much as I thought I would. It's still definitely not my favorite episode by any means, um, but I didn't overtly pull a Jesse on this. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I do agree that the these two storylines really felt so disjointed that that kind of really throws you off. Um, but I, I love, I think the really, the main, re- if this was just all about the fighting, I probably actually honestly wouldn't have finished the episode. I think the Ivanova storyline was kind of the saving grace of it. The, I really liked uncle Yosel. I really liked his character and just seeing, you know, not being a Jewish individual, uh, but seeing kind of the Shiva and stuff like that was really touching and heartwarming. I really love the character development of of Ivanova that it kind of mm-hmm. gave throughout this part of it. So again, I give this kind of a D minus um, in terms of a grade, not a total F, but really very close. And now we've got the one last newbie we have here. And actually, for those wondering, Nicole decided to go to a 311 concert instead of being with us. So Nicole you make poor life decisions, but we'll talk to Nicole next week. Let's go ahead and go to Jeff, your impressions and thoughts on TKO. Well, first for Nicole, I mean, we're watching a show that was popular in the mid nineties. She's watching a band that was also last popular in the mid nineties. So (laughs) I have to, I have to own a piece of me so that, that gives some context to my thoughts on this. So I worked in professional wrestling for about 20 years at all levels, um, all the way to the top, and way down at the bottom and everywhere in between, mostly from a broadcast standpoint, which meant it was my job to dissect those matches and help mm-hmm. tell the story of the fight that was happening in, in the wrestling ring. This episode was an absolute master class in taking two different mediums, right? The morning, the Jewish morning tradition and a fight combat sports and telling the same story with them both. This is the story about honoring, respecting, and reconciling, even celebrating the traditions and the cultures that separate us and then ultimately bring us together. We saw it with uh, with Ivanova inviting Sinclair, or when, when Sinclair came to sit Shiva mm-hmm. and she 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 prayed the Kaddish, the, the morning prayer in English. With the whole piece where, I actually have a couple notes here where Caliban talks about it taking great respect and courage to compete in the Mutai. It also takes great respect and courage to grieve. There's moments in the, the, the intercutting between the scenes in the Mutai and with Ivanova are just, they're brilliant, right? Sinclair says to Ivanova, sit down because I'm going to have this personal conversation with you. We're going to have a tough talk. She doesn't want to do it. That then cuts to the scene where Walker Smith goes to Garibaldi and says, hey, can I sit down for a minute and have this really close personal conversation with you? Rabbi Yossel is working to help Ivanova find her heart and be able to feel 
and to grieve. That's the same thing Walker Smith is doing, right? As a, as a competitive fighter, he even says it. This is how I'm going to find my heart through Gior. They're trying to unlock their true, like who they truly are in this moment. Ivanov is blocking that off. She can't cry. You know, it takes her completely breaking down. It does the same for Walker Smith. And then when Ivanova recites the Kaddish, uh, in English for Sinclair, and that happens right at the same time when Gior starts chanting, Smith, Smith, Smith. Those are the same things. Those are taking disparate cultures, bringing them together so everybody can celebrate in the same way. I thought the storytelling and the fight was beautifully done. It was totally Rocky. It was Rocky Four, And even with dude who was going to shoot him out in the crowd, you know, it's just, I mean, the only thing that was missing was Walker Smith's, you know, if I can change... You can change. Everybody can change. But it was the same. It was the same story. This was just, I think, took two different mediums to tell just a beautiful story about the cultures that exist from Earth onto Babylon 5 and how they come together. This was an amazing episode. Awesome. Blake, how about you? So this is not one of my favorite episodes. Um, (laughs) I I definitely get what Jeff is saying, and and I appreciate what Jeff's adding there a bit. Yeah, I think the B plot was the stronger of the two plots with this one. And I think for those, I'm also a Mel Brooks fan. So I think when we were talking about this episode, I described it as, for those that have seen History of the World Part 2 and the trailers at the end, I described it as MMA meets Jews in space. And, you know, I definitely think the B plot was the stronger on this one. Mm-hmm. And Kevin. Yeah, I have to agree with Blake. This is not a favorite episode of mine. The Ivanova stuff is great. As far as the MMA garbage, I, I could do without that, but I'm I'm definitely not a fan of Jeez. the medium. So feel free to take that as as you will. I'm fully uh, you know biased as far as that goes, but it's not something I'm interested in. So uh, as far as uh, as far as the the Ivanova stuff, you know it 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 couldn't be more descriptive of her personality, her family history, and um, gives you a window into why she may be as tough as a Russian winter at some time, at some points. I will say Kevin also still thinks that Star Wars is sci-fi, so his tastes are interesting as well, too. (laughs) I just have to pick on Kevin. So for me, I'm not a huge fan of TKO. And I think, Jesse, you kind of hit the nail on the head the most, and also Emily, too, with just... I think the the two disparate plots for me, and Jeff, I, I think you, you do a good job of combining those two themes, but for me, the themes don't really work well together. And I think it, the fight is, and the entire Walker Smith conversation is uh, a, detr- a distraction from really good character development from Ivanova. And I think that's what upsets me about this episode. We have a really good character piece for Ivanova, buried in an episode about a guy who isn't exactly even likable when we get walker smith up here to begin with he already kind of throws himself around he gives garibaldi crap he gives the mutai folks crap and at the end of the day sure he holds his own but i mean did i even really like him when he held his own but i will say tko is now more important to me than ever 
because uh, we were having a conversation on Twitter with Yum Yum Podcast, uh, Ryan over there, because they dealt with TKO earlier than we did. And we were talking about the back and forth and how do you have these two plots come together in one episode? And I said that I think it's partly because you have a brand new showrunner uh, in terms of JMS. And then he also is trying to really get as much story into season one as possible. And I tagged him on that tweet and he responded in his usual JMS way, or maybe somebody else just wrote the episode. So it was the first and not the last time that my favorite writer of TV has struck me down on Twitter, but uh, TKO is the first time it happened. So it will hold a little special place in my heart from now on. Let me point out though, he does have a writing credit for this episode. I know, I know. I should have gone back to the Lurker's Guide and checked that. I really should have, but I was like, oh, JMS has spoken. I will be quiet now. But yeah, he does have, he did say that um, uh, Detilio did write all the Ivanova stuff, uh, which makes sense because that's kind of Detilio's shtick as well too. So let's get into the meat of the episode. Jesse, go for it. Well, I just wanted to comment on on Jeff's commentary about the episode. So I can definitely tell that you've been in radio or um, broadcasting for years and years and years because it was absolutely um, beautiful, well thought out stretch. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to go back and watch the episode for a third time because the first time I watched it, we didn't watch it. We just looked at faces. Nobody was paying attention. Um, the second time I watched it, I was absolutely put off by the two um, conflicting scenes or can, plots. And so to take, I do, I do appreciate your input on um, trying to connect the two and your, your connections are way more beautifully thought out than mine were. I was like, there's nothing about this that makes any sense. So I'm willing to go back and watch it for a third time and maybe see if I can put it back together in a more positive light. Um, because that's definitely when you said earlier that you were, you know, halfway through about infection, you were like, what am I doing? I'm questioning my life choices. I know you didn't say those words, but that's exactly where I was. And it was absolutely a signs and portents where I got to the point where I was like, Oh, this is a good show. Um, so I'm willing to take a look at it in like a different light. And um, I just want to say welcome to our, our podcast and uh, nice. welcome to our family. Thank you. And when you do watch it, cause I think you said a thing that, that struck for me and that was, it's Shiva and a fight, right? And what does it have to do with each other? Mm. Nothing. You have to go right. layers deeper, sure. right? And just, yeah. And I think so much, especially of the Mutai storyline, there's a lot that happens in the fight, but it's the stuff surrounding the fight that really matters, especially Walker Smith's arc, where he goes from an outright, I don't know if he's say racist or speciesist, you know, he's mm. dropping snakehead and calls dude E.T. at one point, but then he comes around. Right, because yeah. they find that commonality for cool. stuff. There's, yeah. So, yeah, sure. I appreciate that. I appreciate you checking that out again. Justin, go for it. I think at the end of the day, being somebody who doesn't have a, you know, that kind of depth knowledge of any kind of really fighting sport, you know, being a dumb college kid, of course, I watched MMA back in the early 2000s, but I, I really didn't follow it that well i really wasn't never really into it so like i never really got those connections that maybe you did jeff by you know with your deep knowledge of you know wrestling and stuff like that so it just to me i think maybe that's where a lot of disconnect from people come off because if you don't have knowledge i guess of maybe what exactly is going on during this fight from a technical standpoint maybe it just doesn't connect 
maybe if I get promoted to elder God one day, um, I can go back <laughs> and maybe have a different perspective of it, but who knows? Well, frankly, first, anytime they have a ring with neon lights ringing it, like that's not, that's not a good thing. That's like, right? where are the ropes, dude? <laughs> Come on. Like, at least put a cage up something. Okay. Uh, up Chuck nugget. Go for it. First of all, it's up chuckle nugget. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you, you changed it again on me. You keep changing your name. <laughs> so, you know, Jeff, when you were talking about the disparate cultures and that, that look, so it's funny. I actually, when I watched it, I took it a different way and wrote down in my notes, I was like, so why are we forcing this human exceptionalism again? Because that alien, even though I could have done without the blowgun guy, I mean, he flat out says like, Hey, humans aren't allowed in this. You come in, you, you know, you ravage our planets, you take over all our stuff, you disrespect all of our shit. Basically, can we have one thing without you? And so I took that and he was like, no, not only can you not have it without me, but I'm going to make sure that I'm just as good as the other alien and like deal with it. Like, oh, we're going to have this begrudging respect instead of being able to say, hey, how about you stay in your lane, man? And how about you not be what you are, who you are? And to your point about obviously him at the beginning, just being super racist, although since we're talking about like racist speciesist, whatever you want to call it. Was I the only one who got that same vibe with the accent that the head alien guy was doing? Like it was oh, like, yeah. a, okay. Cause when I heard that, I go, uh, I don't know if this is cool in 2022, but it was the most heavily Asian alien accent you will ever hear. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. It was not my right. Blake. So I'm actually glad John brought that up because I, I had that in my notes as well, looking at uh, some of the aspects, one with Walker's own racism, but also with, you know, 30 years ago, concepts and discussions in the mainstream around colonialism, around appropriation really weren't mainstream conversations. You know, 2022, we're used to a very different set of conversations around these issues. And to see it come within this context you know, sci-fi has always been an allegory to social issues. We, we've discussed that in depth before. And, you know, when that comment comes out with some of the aliens in that space going, you know, this is not a place for you. This is not where humans belong. This is our thing. You're not going to come take this. You're not going to make this yours. You know, I thought that I will say I did think that was a powerful scene out of the fight component. So I, I will give that scene credit. Kevin. I'm going to channel John here for just a minute and say, <laughs> How long does it take to load a gun and aim it and fire it at somebody to take so much time to have Garibaldi come over and whoop your ass so that you, you don't end up doing what you want to do? That was really stupid. And it's just total plot convenience, bad writing. They could have done that better. Oh, but, but come on, though. He, he threw a really nice little elbow there. That was a good throw. Okay, I'll give you that. And, and that brings me to another point. I, I thought the fighting as far as, you know, on a on a 90s television show for this episode was actually pretty good. It looked fairly realistic, um, unlike wrestling, which doesn't look realistic at all. This looked actually pretty good. <laughs> You're throwing shade left and right here, man. <laughs> hey, that's what I do today. Andrew hates you. <laughs> Justin. I mean, I guess. I disagree, Kevin. Um, to me, the really the fighting really didn't do anything for me. And as much as I don't like fighting sports, I love the Rocky films. Um, and to me, like everybody's talking about Rocky one, Rocky four. This felt very Rocky five to me, honestly. Like it, it just it it didn't it didn't excite me at all. It didn't get it. I didn't get into it. It was just like 
oh, okay, there's a fight happening. And it was predictable. I knew that this was going to end up in a tie. And it was, I sat there and I, and I, and I wrote in my notes, like early on, this is going to end up in a tie, like, and then they're going to be respectable and, oh, you're part of our clan now and everything like that. And it just, and I really got nothing out of it. I'm going to throw a little hot take because I like to do those. I will argue that Rocky Five is a better film than Rocky Four. Not Whoa. a more entertaining film. Not Whoa. a more entertaining Excuse film. Excuse me. Whoa. Rocky Four is one long music video. Now, the director's cut, which no. just came out, makes it a little better. But Rocky Four is one big music video or one like three montages strung together. Rocky Five actually Montage has the movie, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. Scott, stop honestly, to, Scott. And, and for those that want to send your hate comments, you can do so to our. <laughs> send to Babylon for the five for the first time. Send to Babylon no. five for the first time. <laughs> we'll take another another nickname. Out, I think I figured out what the problem is here, Scott. You're confusing hot take with crap take. Moving on. <laughs> hot <laughs> Thanks, take Justin, with hot garbage. Yeah. I will also be the guy who says that Last Crusade is better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'll continue. Yeah, I agree with you on that. No, I agree. Given the fact that I haven't seen any Rocky movies, I'm completely lost with this entire discussion. And and to help Jeff out, being the Star Trek guy, Undiscovered Country is better than Rafikon. See, I'll just keep going here. No. You're not alone in that. I mean, you're wrong, but you're not alone. You're wrong. Emily, tell me how I'm wrong. Go for it. I don't watch Rocky movies, so I got nothing there. But isn't the fighter that Smith fought at the end from the the same species from the Believers episode? Yes. Okay, so is he of the egg, or is he like maybe a separate sect from that group? I have questions about this. That's why I I want to know. Because if you can't, like, if they're afraid of your soul escaping your body, and he's doing this brutal fighting... And dangerous. he's going to get injured with like cuts or whatever. Is think, he yeah. of that same group or is there like another group on that planet that we don't know about? I don't know, but Walker Smith was definitely pummeling the soul out of him here at the end there. So I don't know. <laughs> it was all over his face. <laughs> yes. I do appreciate the white blood. That's it's. Uh, I was going to. Yeah. I, I, I thought he got up I, I, and I thought he looked, it looked like he was snorting cocaine. <laughs> well. Maybe sure. that was what kept him going. Jeff, what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> I just had a little bit of uh, two pieces of trivia for everybody that's pretty cool about this. So the name Yay. Walker Smith, right? Walker Smith. That was Sugar Ray Robinson's real name. The very famous old boxer was Walker Smith. So very intentional there. And the other one is um, the guy who played Gior. It's James Jude Courtney. He's the Michael Myers in like the modern... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He won a Fangoria award back a couple years ago. So like, he's a he's a pretty super legit guy, and I think that's what lent to those fight scenes. Looking, it's one thing I've noticed with some of the fights in Babylon Five. Like they're not just like the Star Trek double axe handles. Like Mm -hmm. they're throwing roundhouses and going and. It's pretty good stuff. I bet you got excited when Lanier let it loose there uh, with uh, Londo a few episodes back. That was so awesome. It's just like, whoa, it's Yoda. And not like old Yoda, but like the cool one with a lightsaber. (laughs) Can we talk about the actual fighting, though? So I was confused because I thought I remembered, shockingly, something from Friday, that, Scott, you had mentioned something about not being able to block, but I saw them block and dodge hits i noticed that too john i think i was just making that up because i wanted to throw in something when we were watching the episode i was like oh look they don't block i don't know if that was actually a thing or not <laughs> so they did that in practice a few times and then they did it in the match once or twice so that definitely is not a thing yeah i didn't really understand the the rule i am impressed that you remembered that though because 
that night that night kind of blends together for me as well too. What it we're talking a, about too. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I said it was a total riff on because UFC was really coming to prominence right at this time when this episode came out. And the UFC in the '90s is a very different product than the UFC of the 2000s and today. The old UFC was very much Taekwondo guy against uh, boxer and karate guy against Aikidoka or whatever, you know, taking the different styles. And I think this was inspired by that. Take off the gloves, get in there, all bets are off, except apparently you could also kill people, which is uh, right, so they, like five people died. When they mentioned that, there was a lot of what I thought was like holding back. So I expected, so to your point, Jeff, like, because I did watch some of those old like Royce Gracie fights back in the day. And mm -hmm. so I expected like, okay, cool. This is basically going to be well, blood sport. This is going to be one, you know, two, two men enter, one man leaves. And there were lots of, I was like, man, you could kick him right in the face. You can drop an elbow here. Like, why is it? sometimes respectful and then sometimes it's haymakers and then so like in the in, in the in the parlance of pro wrestling right so you've got your good guys and you got your bad guys your baby faces and your heels and when you have a heel they'll do whatever it takes to win right oh he's down i'm going to kick him in the face i'm going to be dirty scratch his back poke him in the eye whatever two baby faces are going to wrestle they're going to back off let the guy get back up because when they win they want to win like with dignity and with honor and that was kind of the whole point of the mutai fight with courage and respect, you know, so even though all bets are off, there's an honor code of the Mutai that um, they have to I, I kind of like for the later section. That's one of the questions is, did the Mutai ever come up again? And is there going to be some, you know, tank Abbott that comes in and is like, yeah, screw your rules. I'm just going to gouge this dude's eyes out all of a sudden where everybody else, because I think even the guy who was saying humans can't do this, we can't have humans doing this. It's because they believed in the, the sanctity you know, of that culture of the Mutai, and they were afraid humans, because humans are terrible, we would come in and disrespect it, gouge the eyes out, steel chair to the back, all that kind of stuff. But Walker Smith showed that wasn't the case. I'll fight on your terms. I'll let Gior get back up so I can punch him down again. I think it was part of the fight storytelling that happened, which again, I agree, yeah. not everybody has 20 years of experience analyzing these things. It's pretty rough to pick those things up if you're not trained to do it. See, I would have thought two things. So first of all, when I watched this, I thought, wait a second, there's a match going on. There is clearly going to be betting. And you're telling me Londo's not at these fights? Right. Shenanigans. <laughs> There were a couple Centauri in the crowd. Yeah. I, I think I saw. So it's going. And so on. I thought there may have been a Klingon too. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, I thought since he mentioned earlier about um, you know the sports uh, company or whatever getting them, I thought okay, we could add an element of drama to the fight if you have the betting angle. Maybe somebody tries to pay him off. Maybe you know the the guy who was who was teaching him. You know, does he decide to take the cash this time? Does he fight? I don't know. I was looking for anything. Again, that storyline just did not grab me. I'm sorry. I'm tweeting back and forth with Brent because I think he feels left out that he's not he in does. right now. He's texting me too. How's it going? What's going on? <laughs> it's not too late. He can jump in. Right? Yeah. Brent Listen, has an we, open we could have Brent, you know, We could have Brent join and we could have Up Chuckle Nugget versus Chuckle Nugget oh, for wow. the title. I, I think that needs to be its own separate like bonus episode. I think we just need to have like a, a, like a rap yes. battle or something between the Chuckles. We have a Mutai. We do Ooh. a Mutai. <laughs> Yes, I'm all for this. Bonus episode number seven, the Mutai. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we've talked a lot about the fight. Anything else anyone wants to talk about the fight before we go into Ivanova's uh, subplot B? Yes. Yes. I don't know if we talked about this on Friday, but since we're talking about 80s movies, did anyone catch the Total Recall shout out at the beginning when <laughs> he was talking about the yeah, three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
It gets even deeper, though, because it was on, he was referencing the planet Cestus, and then the three things, Cestus 3, is where Kirk fought the Gorn in Arena. So, like, it's a, that's a bunch of deep cuts in that one scene. And now you've lost Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to watch any Star Trek original series episode, watch Arena. That's the Arena's I will watch... Or City on the Edge of Forever. Those are both very good. I Speaking watch- of Harlan Ellison. Oh, we're not transitioning, Scott. We're not done. <laughs> well, no, I, I was like, that was part of the episode. Fine. Jesse, yeah, go ahead. God, I, know I was just going to be a smart ass and tell you I'll go watch Deep Space Five, but whatever. Wow. Just tell him to, Jesse, just Again, tell him to off. Deep How have we not talked about that? I know. Off. We haven't got there yet. Okay, Deep Space Nine is my favorite track, and I will make you watch it sooner or later. I promise you. And if you thought the first few episodes of season one of Babylon five were a slog, just wait until I make you watch uh past prologue or move along home. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Alamarine! Alamarine. Rough episodes, yeah. Take two steps. Alamarine. Two steps more. Okay. Uh, Jesse's just lost it. <laughs> Scott wants to have no friends left by the end of podcasting. <laughs> well, it I'm working on it. Definitely the worst episode of that show. But since there's seven seasons of that, I can't I can't commit to that because. Come on. You committed two and a half years of this. You can't give me another four years. Well, apparently 10 was too much for Stargate SG-1 for you. So I don't know why. Oh. Seven is okay, but 10 isn't. It's also 26 episodes a season. Well, except for season one. So. Yeah. But okay, moving right along. I was going to say, you mentioned Sitting on the Edge of Forever, Andrew. Harlan Ellison's in this episode. Ivanova's reading his fake autobiography, which the little, you know, Jeff's thrown out the, um, the, uh, the, the trivia as well, too. So that actually was intended to be Harlan Ellison's actual autobiography he hadn't written yet, but then he never got around to writing it. So it's the future, but not. I guess Harlan got the prop. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Harlan Ellison would just walk around with it say nothing about it just to drive people going oh god there's a book coming because he would have this book with the title and the, the jacket on it that says everything about harlan ellison that you need to know is he just wanted to just troll people all the time which is about right i will say though it's really cool watching and this is definitely a segue there's really cool watching how jms is kind of carrying the torch for harlan ellison after he passed away in 2018 jms runs the harlan ellison family foundation uh, and they were just doing a really big auction of a lot of cool stuff that Harlan owned, uh, a lot of comic book arts and um, just a whole bunch of stuff. So, and there, uh, if you're on JMS's Patreon, there's some really big announcements coming soon about Harlan Ellison's um, life's works in terms of his writing. So, it's a uh, it's it's a cool thing that JMS continues to support his friend after he's passed. Okay. Speaking of people after they pass, let's talk about Ivanova's dad. What a transition. I know, I try. Kevin, what do you got? I thought it was really interesting in this episode that um, the the acting by Claudia Christian, this was more acting than she had gotten to do at any, any other point in this season thus far. And she handled it incredibly well. And she had a, you know, a veteran uh, guest actor with her, Theodore Bickle, to... Um, you know, to work again, uh, work across from, you know, in a lot of her scenes and he started acting in 1947. So he's been, he's been acting for quite a while at this point. He only died in 2015. So he was 91 years old. So God bless him. But uh, I thought the two of them uh, did a fantastic job in this episode with their acting. And I thought she had a couple of good lines in this episode. The one I really liked was, 
uh, was actually from her dad. If re- regret could be harvested, Russia uh, would be the world's fruit basket. I thought that was a really good episode. And since Russia has something to be regretful of right at the moment, I thought it was a, a, a especially interesting uh, line. Yeah, the, the irony. I give thee a name and it is Ivanova. One of the many things that we watch in Babylon 5 that's more relevant today than it was Yes, then, sir. Yeah, a lot of that. Oh. Which is why it's such a great, a great series. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I can say this to you too, because you're a newbie. You ain't seen nothing yet, boss. <laughs> you ain't seen yeah. nothing yet. Justin, what do you got? I, I like the whole the whole theme of regret that's wrapped around this entire plot. Not just from Ivanova, but from her father himself, when towards the end, when she does ask Uncle Yosel to stay and help with the Shiva. Um, she reflects upon kind of I, what I would assume to be would be the last message uh, that she got from her father, where he just expressed all of his own regret about not, about not being there for her, about not you know showing her enough love, about not just being the father that she needed, and just saying how sorry he was for that. And I think kind of her own pain and her 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 own feelings about it. I think that was kind of her personal breaking point. It's damn you guys. I mean, you guys told me early on that, you know, she would eventually become a favorite character. And honestly, this episode did a lot of that for me. Jeff, what do you got? I think one of the cool things too in Ivanova's grief cycle was the support of Sinclair. Like, oh my God, Sinclair. I, uh, to this point, I have not been a big Sinclair fan. I think he's, I think I'll just say here, I think he's a failure as a leader in a lot of places and he's in way over his head, um, commanding Babylon five. And I, but that's a, maybe another topic, but he really came through for Ivanova. And I think in that moment when Rabbi Yossel sat down and was just like, yeah, she needs time and without hesitation, whatever she needs, no problem. And then when he talked to her and he's like, what, you know, you, you need to do this. It was that mastery of like, I'm, I'm your friend, I'm your coworker, I'm your boss, but I care about you. And that's what really matters. I was just really, this was, this was a real high watermark for Sinclair as a leader. And you know, with Sinclair, I think it, it really fits his character though, because as we know from Sinclair now is he's not like the command guy. He was a fighter pilot Mm -hmm. and, and we know that he was not first in line for this job. So I think it really fits that character too, that this guy wasn't really groomed for command. He's somebody who is just kind of like the everyman who got stuck in it like everybody else too. Yeah. He takes care of his squad. Right. And then works double shifts for him. It's awesome. Yes. I do think it was kind of cool at the end of the episode though. He, she really gets her shot in when she says, just remember this the next time Miss Sakai comes to the station. I thought that was really funny. That's perfect. Ivanova. (laughs) Jesse, what do you got? Um, This, I love this episode for her because it just, it made her look like a person instead of just a figurehead because she's just been so underwritten in every other, you know, episode that we've seen. And it's, it's nice to see her be, just very vulnerable and real, even though you probably, I'm going to guess we don't see that often with her because just that's not the direction I think that they want to take her. Um, But as somebody whose father was also very, didn't talk about feelings. Um, He's a great man and a great father, but just, we just didn't talk about feelings in our house. Um, That was my mother's role. And so to hear her talk about just the things that she went through with him and like when she needed him, he was emotionally, he was physically there, but maybe not emotionally there. It was just, it was really like the depth that they took with her was really refreshing. And her 
acting is just phenomenal. She's just a really great actress. And I have this bad taste in my mouth because I feel like the first like eight or nine episodes, I just talked, I think I called her the most unlikable possible human that they could have replaced Takashima with. I think that was my first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeff, you missed the whole after the gathering. Um, when I found out that Takashima was gone, I was just, ah, oh, I could have spit fire, but I was hell bent on not liking Ivanova. And she's like, everybody said, she's probably my favorite character at this point. We're almost done with season one. And I think my my highlight of season one was the fact that all of you guys, all you could talk about during the gathering was Dr. Kyle and Takashima. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a rough yeah, episode we were, two. We were just like, when you get to midnight, you're just like, what happened? <laughs> this is not okay. Not yes. okay at all. Andrew. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up this one moment between the rabbi and Sinclair where uh, the rabbi is asking Sinclair all these questions about Ivanova and like, uh, do you know what happened to her mother? And Sinclair says something like, yeah, I heard uh, I heard that she took her own life, but uh, we as the audience, at least with the HBO Max order, uh, we know that's not what happened. The psychor killed her. So I'm thinking that they must have killed her. And then that was like an off the books operation so and and then just framed it as a suicide do uh, we though do we know that we know that well, she I mean, was the, taking well, the the depressant well, drugs there was the, yeah well, there was the oh i oh that's what i had interpret how i interpreted that vision no the, the the vision was and that's basically what happened that we know of is that if you do not join the core you have to take drugs that uh, impede your ability to be a telepath and those drugs also make you very depressed and had led to her mother's suicide uh, oh oh okay <laughs> but knowing the oh, core i wouldn't be surprised but, yeah, but, yeah yeah <laughs> this was so tantalizing that i just wish again we could have had less of the fight and more of that i would have done more scenes with her telling more stories about her about her father Cause you know, we got a couple and it was like, oh, well we saw the deathbed confession, which I thought was, um, heartwarming is not the right word, but you know, what she said was basically, you know, yeah, he was there, but he wasn't really there. And his final words to her, like, I'm so sorry for that. I'm acknowledging that I'm, I understand that I know what I've done. I'm accepting responsibility for what I've done. Um, so I thought, I mean, that was fairly powerful. Um, when you combine that with the lovely story she told about the author and how much, um, you know, he kind of had her back and then told her it was a good question. It was, you know, there were a lot of stories about, I thought, positive interactions with her dad. I could have used a couple where, you know, maybe they dove in a little bit more when her mother passed away. Maybe give me some examples of what her, her father did when her brother passed away. Maybe give us some more examples. I just thought there was a lot of meat left on that bone that, you know, one of my questions I'll ask is, are we going to dive back into that? Because there's a lot there that I wish they would have gone into this episode, especially because she was killing it. She was throwing fastball after fastball. I thought just feed her a couple more scenes where she gets to relive that relationship again. Because again, even though it hit at the end, when she breaks down and realizes he's gone, which is something, you know, we talk about grief, right? One of those stages, you know, Jeff was talking about the cycles of grief, right? That, that denial, it still seemed like she was absolutely in denial, um, which could be easy to do when you're on a station, you know, however many, you know, light years away or, or thousands of miles away, however far away they are from Earth. So I just thought that really, really would have kicked. And they could have used it for her Emmy reel had they just given her a little bit more to work with. I see uh, Kevin was uh, typing in the chat. At least I think he was. So we'll get that added to the questions that we can talk about once we get rid of you. 
going to be great. Jeff, that I know you guys hit on your show with this is I really think that, and I agree with you, that the 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 way this rabbi character is handled is really well done. And I think it says something about how uh, Babylon 5, even uh, this early on into the show, has been able to deal with religion, I think, in a more inclusive way than some sci-fi does. Yeah, I think Jewish people in sci-fi are not it's it's very rarely a good thing when you see them they're they're a joke or they're a villain but this time like and and, and brent like we his whole takeaway from this episode he's like I, i'm not jewish but i want a rabbi like <laughs> this guy's <laughs> awesome and i need that but yeah i think in sci- sci-fi well really in media you know what i yeah, mean like yeah. mm-hmm. jewish people are not portrayed well and i i loved the depth i think between this and was it parliament of dreams when they dove yes. into all the for knowing that JMS is an avowed atheist, it is so impressive the care with which he treats religion. Well, and I will say, I think the reason why he does that is um, his path to atheism is an interesting one. Uh, and I, I shill for his book far too much, but if when and if you read Becoming Superman, which all of you can't for about another exactly. two years, um, he was a part of it and he called it a religious cult. It was a, a Christian uh, uh, group that lived together in a communal household and did things that were questionable. So I, his his religious story is a very windy one, which I think helps to kind of define his views of things as well, too. Anybody else have anything they want to add about the episode before we go into questions and predictions? Well, since okay. you mentioned the, the, the Jewish part, uh, it was interesting for us as shut off as Ivanova is um, outside of Sinclair, which was lovely. She had a bunch of strangers that she let allowed come to, to sit Shiva, which I thought was a, an interesting like wrinkle on her. Uh, I'm sure that we didn't get the scene, but I'm sure the rabbi encouraged it um, because I would have thought it would have just been the two or three of them. But, you know, it looked like it was maybe 10, 12 people in the room. So there's rules. Uh, is, is anyone, anyone Jewish here? Okay, no. cool. Then I can, I can be the expert. I'm not Jewish, but I studied a lot of Judaism. So sitting Shiva takes, it's a week, takes seven whole days. That they have to uh, they have to do it and there's some rules around the timing of it but when she does the morning prayer there the the, the kaddish there's actually a requirement that it's prayed with uh in a group of 10. they call that a minyan and traditionally it used to have to be all had to be all men it was pretty recently in our history that it could be any anyone anyone at all that didn't even have to be people in the jewish faith so i'm pretty sure rabbi also went and rounded some people up some you know kind of second tier stuff but the other piece that i think also makes rabbi Yassel awesome is that kaddish is supposed to be prayed every day for 11 months after the person passes away and then you take a month off and then on the anniversary of the death you do it one more time but it doesn't have to be the family person who prays it. It could be anyone. And so I like to believe that Yasel has been carrying that for the Ivanov family this whole time, which is pretty cool. And it makes sense too with his character. Absolutely Mm -hmm. does. And I will add too, I tried to find them before this, but some of the references, I guess this episode, uh, the Jewish Journal actually did some articles on this episode uh, because of the portrayal that it had um, and being a more positive portrayal even at that time. So apparently there were some articles, I tried to find them 
Um, I even used a uh, reference search account I have and could not get them to come up, but apparently they are out there somewhere. Okay, let's go ahead and get to our questions and predictions. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have our newbies give any lingering questions they have from the episode, as well as their predictions of what's going to happen in the future on Babylon 5. So let's go to Andrew first. Questions and predictions. Actually, I don't really think I have any. (laughs) Like, like this was such a one-off episode. Like it doesn't doesn't really seem like it'll tie into the lore too much. Yeah, okay. I, I got nothing. Cool, Emily. When is Dylan coming back? <laughs> uh, next week, you'll be fine. It's okay. Emily is just here for Dylan, and yes. Dylan will be with you next week. Don't worry. Okay, that's all I need. <laughs> John. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions I had, well, I asked earlier, uh, but I also, you know, they. I forget the name of it now, but um, the family heirloom that her dad apparently is is loved and they've had since the time of the czar, so a really long time. Um, you know, is that is that important? I mean, is that going to be something in the future? Are we ever going to see that again? Are we ever going to talk about it again? Or was it just kind of another like, oh, remember how much your dad loved this? Well, he gave it, he wanted to give it to you. So again, your dad loved you and, and this is how he was showing it. So. Well, actually, the Centauri Empire has been searching for it for a very long time, and oh, that's that's another artifact. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, all right, I was like, oh, you just dropping out. We get the. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what do you got? I mean, not really a question or prediction, but just more of a hope that uh, we see kind of more um, vulnerability from Ivanova and kind of more expressions of her Jewish heritage and faith. I kind of hope we see more of that. Jesse. I don't have any. Uh, okay. And Jeff, do you have any questions or predictions that we can answer for you beyond the rim? Do we get more Mutai? Like when does Walker Smith come? Does he get his prize fight? Does he get to take on the corporate champion? That's what I want to know. Are we going to see Walker Smith versus Babylon 5's The Rock at some point? Or was this literally just kind of like, oh, we're going to develop Ivanova and give Garibaldi something to do? Or do we get a spinoff where Georg's son is trained by Walker Smith years from now? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be excellent. Or do we get the story where Georg converts to the great egg and he realizes the error of his ways and he wants to protect his soul (laughs) forever? See, we need a writer's room here. This could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we have all the questions and predictions, we are going to go ahead and roll our credits, and then our newbies will leave us, and we will come back after if you want to be spoiled or if you've already watched the show, and we will talk beyond the rim about all these questions and predictions and spoilers. There's not going to be much in beyond the rim this week. Now, in the next couple weeks, we'll have more, but this one's going to be a little small, just going to say. So before we do head out, Jeff, go ahead and plug the crap out of everything you want to plug. Please plug, plug, plug. Thank you. And first, thank you so much for letting me come. I was excited to meet all of you and hang out here, but also to talk about the single objectively greatest episode of the first season of Babylon 5. I was going to pause. That I wouldn't go me. that far, but. <laughs> but no, you can uh, you can check Brent and me out Babylon 5 for the first time at our website, Babylon5first.com. It's the number five and the word first.com or on Twitter at Babylon First. And of course, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube. I also hope host a Star Trek podcast. You might've picked that up when we're talking. It's called the Starfleet Leadership Academy, uh, which is at anywhere you get your podcasts or starfleetleadership.academy is the website. But I watch episodes of Star Trek and then I break down the leadership and management lessons and help you be able to apply those to your day-to-day work. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff T. Aiken. Thank you all so much for uh, 
letting me come on board Babylon 5 with you into gray 17. And uh, Jeff, I know Brent is looking through the window wishing he was here too, but open invite to you guys. We really appreciate you being on board and uh, you are more than welcome to join us again. It's been a fun treat to have you here. And uh, I know several of us are following along with you all as well too, as we go through this rewatch journey. So it's been fun. So until next week when we, and actually I should say this right off the bat, we are going to do something a little different next week. We have A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1, but we have decided that we are going to do both Part 1 and Part 2 as one discussion. So next week, we will be doing A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1 and Part 2. So if you are watching along with us, watch both of those episodes before we come back here next week. So until next week when we talk about A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1 and 2, I am Scott, and with me as always has been... Blake. Emily. Andrew. Jesse. The Upchuckle Nugget. Justin, Kevin, and Jeff Aiken. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, and it's Jeff. been a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Thank you for those who have stuck around. Again, we will be potentially spoiling some stuff. So if you have not watched past TKO and don't want to be spoiled, this is where you should drop off. Guys, do we do we have anything to spoil for TKO? The only thing that I had to talk about was the the Walker line about one of these days, Garibaldi, you'll learn to watch your back. It's like, oh, yes. too yes. soon. Yes, that is definitely foreshadowed. Doween. Yeah, because sure. it's it's coming up in a few episodes where he's Chrysalis. Yeah. yeah. Um it, well, one question I have Scott, you might be able to answer this. I was too lazy to IMDB it, but isn't the rabbi doesn't he come back not as the rabbi, but isn't he back in um in the beginning yes, as Lenon? Yes. 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 So I is. thought I I didn't look it up, but I thought that was the case. Yes, he is. He is one of the few actors who was actually just cast for in the beginning and isn't like, you know, the clip show from other episodes like mm-hmm. Ducat, all his stuff gets pulled from atonement. But no, this is actually a brand new character for in the beginning when we get to him. And he's good in that, too. I like Ladon a lot. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of stuff. Like I said, he, he's he's worse dad. Yeah, right. He started in 47 and he acted, you know, not not too long before he, he passed in 2015. I mean, the guy was uh, all over the place in television and, and a little bit of movies, not so much. But he was in the movie African Queen with Humphrey Bogart. So that tells you how oh, long he was wow. around. Wow. I think the other one is, as I was reading too, it mentioned that because in the UK, uh, Babylon 5 is broadcast on Channel 4 uh, for its original run. But for some reason, Channel 4 wouldn't air this episode. There was no explanation given why, but in the original run, Channel 4 did not run TKO. I, 
I would assume it was the violence because I mean, freaking the UK is also the ones who made them call them teenage mutant hero tur- um, teenage mutant hero turtles because you couldn't have ninjas. So I think it was probably the violence that would do it. I assume. Wow, that'd be a good guess, probably. But yeah, I mean, this episode doesn't have much impact. And I think the other question was, will we see Ivanova's heirloom again? Maybe in her quarters? Maybe? And will Ivanova's past come back? Yes. But more so, and it actually was mentioned, the, the question was, will we hear more about her, her interactions with her brother and her mother we will hear more about the mother but it'll be more in terms of her relationship with talia and how that has impacted uh her moving forward and of course i think it'll be interesting when the the um the newbies do get confirmed that ivanova is a latent telepath i think that will help them kind of make some connections there as well too Mm -hmm. but i mean this episode's kind of meh in terms of everything so our beyond the ring segment's really small but next week begins like an avalanche uh to quote kosh of spoilers you have a voice in the wilderness we're gonna have a lot to talk about there with epsilon three then you've got babylon squared i don't even know how we're gonna do that guys we'll have to kind of figure it out because there's a lot to talk about with babylon squared legacies and then of course chrysalis so it's gonna be a pretty busy next few weeks yeah i thought it was interesting uh emily's like uh, when's the line coming back and it's like well besides the fact that she'll be in a lot of the episodes going forward for the rest of the season. In fact, I think all of them, you're going to see a completely different Delenn starting season two. So we'll see uh, how she, how she takes to that change, because uh, I think she's really going to enjoy that, that character progression. Well, and then also Mira Furlong becomes much more um, uh, a main cast member Yeah. right now. She's still in the, you know, uh, the ambassadors show up every now and then and so forth and so on. But when she starts moving in towards being the leader of the army of light with Sheridan, she will be in every episode. So I think Emily's going to be happy once we get to that point too. Yeah. I think we said with all of our ambassadors are really starting in season two. It's very true. We see the growth at Jakar's trajectory towards going from where he was to being, you know, a leader of his people, a spiritual leader. You see the entire arc of Wando and how that's going to go through. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more growth with some of these characters who are newbies, especially have really taken to, and it's going to be interesting to see the ride they go on with that in some of those arcs. And the ride so far has been really fun. So I'm enjoying it. And also it was fun to have Jeff here as well too, because they're having a uh, 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 very much the same kind of experience, but with their Star Trek background, it's a different little experience too. So it's, that's what's fun as well. But I think that's it, guys. Uh, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. And again, please be sure to like, subscribe, and review. And also uh, be sure to check out our YouTube. We've got a lot of live stuff coming up. So hit that notify button uh, so you can be notified when we do go live for this stuff as well, too. And we will be here next week for, again, a two-parter, A Voice in the Wilderness, part one and part two. Until next week, I'm Scott, and with me as always has been... Kevin. And Blake. Shortest Beyond the Rim ever. I'm ready to go back on duty, sir. Good. I've had my fill of double shifts. Well, perhaps you'll remember that next time Miss Sakai visits the station.